Hi, listeners. This is Dr. Karen Liller, and I'm proud to introduce our Activist Lab Advocation Change It Up podcast series on occupational health and safety. Learn from the experts of the Sunshine Education and Research Center of the University of South Florida College of Public Health about their research, advocacy, and work with students to improve work conditions for all. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to Advocation Change It Up, a new podcast series hosted by Dr. Karen Liller, a professor at the USF College of Public Health and director of the Activist Lab. Hello and welcome to Advocation Change It Up, the podcast series of the University of South Florida College of Public Health Activist Lab. I'm Dr. Karen Liller, a professor at the College of Public Health and director of the Activist Lab, and I'm joined by one of our student advisory board members and graduate assistants, Rolando Trejos. Hi, Rolando. Hello, Dr. Liller. How are you? I am doing great. What about you? I'm fine, thank you. The Activist Lab at the college prepares our students to be exemplary advocates and leaders in public health. And if you just Google us at our website, you'll see all the educational programs we do. We have boot camps, seminars, we do research on a variety of public health topics, and advocacy and work to assure students have practice experiences in the community at the state and national levels. This podcast involves talking with public health leaders and advocates whose work has led to great improvements in public health. We'll be talking in each podcast with a guest on a particular public health issue, and we'll end each podcast by asking how we as the community can advocate for change. Today, I'm very excited to continue our podcast series on occupational safety and health, featuring leaders of the college's Sunshine Education and Research Center. As we all know, work and work conditions are so important for the population's health, Individuals spend so much time at work, it's critical they work in safe conditions. Today, I'll be talking with our guest, Dr. Mindy Schoss. Dr. Schoss is an associate professor of psychology in the industrial-slash-organizational psychology program at the University of Central Florida, or UCF. She holds a PhD and an MA in industrial-slash-organizational psychology from the University of Houston. Dr. Schoss conducts research in the areas of work stress, counterproductive work behavior, job insecurity, adaptability, and interpersonal interactions at work. She is particularly interested in the impact of economic conditions and the changing nature of work on employee well-being. She directs the Work Stress in Context Lab, or WISC, to reflect the ever-changing nature of work and organizations. This lab takes a contextual perspective towards understanding employee well-being and behavior. And from an application perspective, Dr. Schoss directs the Targeted Research Training Program, a Sunshine ERC program focused on developing evidence-based interventions to address occupational health and well-being issues in the hospitality industry. In addition to that program, Dr. Schoss has been involved in efforts to address issues of burnout and professionalism within medicine. What a great bio. How are you, Dr. Schoss? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for inviting me to be part of the podcast. Absolutely. May I call you Mindy? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Okay. So, Mindy, let's orient the listeners about your leadership in the ERC, how your program, the Targeted Research Training Program, fits into the ERC, and some things you've accomplished. Sure. So, I direct a program called the Targeted Research Training Program, or TRT for short. 
So as you mentioned, the TRT program is a program within the Sunshine Education Research Center. It's different from the other programs in the sense that our program isn't a degree program. Mm -hmm. Rather, our program is aimed at training CRC students to conduct applied intervention-based research to address occupational safety and health issues. Okay. Um, the particular focus of our program is within the hospitality industry. Mm-hmm. The hospitality industry is one of the main industries, as you know, in our region. Uh, right. It's also an industry that faces a myriad of occupational safety and health challenges mm-hmm. and also employs workers from, from vulnerable backgrounds. Right. right. So our specific program has a few components. So first, we support student training by providing student fellowships. We also hold monthly interdisciplinary research group meetings mm-hmm. that are open to the entire ERC. And we provide instructional lessons that address some of the skills and knowledge mm-hmm. that people need to do to do work in this area. Right. Uh, we also conduct interdisciplinary applied research with the goal, as you mentioned, of creating, developing, implementing, and promoting evidence-based interventions to improve health, safety, and well-being in the industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have several partners in, in the industry that we've been working on with that, and we actively involve students in the process. And the last thing to know about our program is we also present industry workshops to try mm-hmm. to facilitate uh, partnerships between research and practice. And we also view these workshops as many interventions in it of themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for example, our first workshop back in fall 2019 was on supporting healthy and safe hospitality work for employees of all ages. Uh-huh. And we brought together um, Dr. Jim Gross from NIOSH. We brought together researchers from the ERC. We brought together students. We brought together uh, managers and HR personnel and workers from the hospitality industry and mm-hmm. everyone uh, just engaged in a variety of conversations about not only what the challenges are, but also what are things that, that individual organizations, what are things that the industry as a whole can do to make hospitality work healthy and safe uh, really across the lifespan. Yeah. And, you know, that is so important, right? Hospitality industry is so important in the state of Florida, right? As you said, and um, what a problem it has faced since COVID-19. So I'm sure you're going to address that as well. Uh, Rolando, do you have questions? Yes. Hello, Dr. Schatz. Um, Understanding that your research entails a diverse um, sample of hospitality and tourism workers from Florida and Puerto Rico. I wonder how do your research and practice has unveiled social and cultural discrepancies or elements to the implications of workers' health, safety, and general well-being? Wow, excellent question. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you, you really hit the nail on the head, so to speak. And I think that is that is the story here. Is there really are um, major influences on people's health that are related to to this broader context, this and like cultural context, to also um, 
workers in, in vulnerable positions, workers in vulnerable backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And when we think about doing any sort of intervention, we have to try to think about all of these things. Right. And one, one thing that the literature on occupational safety and health interventions has supported quite strongly is this idea of participatory interventions. The idea that people who are experiencing the greatest, the greater challenges, the people who, who have to deal with this, they're often the ones who have the most creative and practical solutions mm, to right. these types of problems. So we really try to take an approach of, you know, we need to consider all of these aspects and there's not a one size fits all answer here, but we need to look at how all the different elements that you mentioned, they intersect and they interlap and how do we, how do we use that to try to do something that will hopefully help, help everyone. Mm-hmm. Very good. Um, and let me just add uh, there, Mindy, do you have any examples of strategies you have done using those principles? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's something that we try to take into account in general um, in the research and trying to provide voice. Uh, COVID has made things a little bit interesting because we wouldn't, we can't necessarily do things the way we would typically do things, which would be you know, the usual uh, focus group and workshops Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. really, really, when you try to develop things that are participatory, then it it helps to have a lot of interaction Mm -hmm. between people, which is something we can't quite do uh, right now. So we tried in in our projects really to try to have multi-stakeholder buy-in mm-hmm. and approach to some of the things we've been researching and thinking about. Um, in fall 2020, we did a workshop series, a four-part workshop series about, um, we called it people, people in the hospitality industry, working and not working in isolation. And this was an effort on our part to think about some perhaps individual level type um, resources and information that we could try to communicate to, to people in the hospitality industry who are dealing with really quite an abrupt change in their lives. Absolutely. Uh, this is an industry Goodness. where they spend all day talking to people and now <laughs> some of them are... You know, many of them were laid off. They were furloughed. They were just just um, isolated. Uh-huh. And so we tried to. We had spoken with. Uh, we have an advisory board and TRT um, that has representatives from the union, representatives from some of the local hotels, as well as um, some folks that that own multiple chains of hotels. Mm-hmm. And so we tried to think from these different perspectives what. What could be helpful in this in this moment now? Right, right. It's definitely a, a challenge, um, certainly in in research and in practice um, in this area. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I will say is we have we've been working on a number of studies that are looking at people's concerns about returning to work yes. during this period of time. Right, um, and they're particularly focused on workers with precarious positions and workers that don't typically have a lot of power. 
Right. So that sort of leads me to my next question. I was going to ask more about your research that you're doing and your outreach activities and some of the new findings. And I'm really interested in the work that you've done on burnout uh, within professions. Very, very early in my career, I uh, worked on burnout. I worked on that issue in laboratory professionals, uh, not in the hospitality industry. But I'm very curious to hear about that and your other research. Oh, interesting. Well, I'll have to follow up and ask you more about that. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, certainly right now with with what's been going on with COVID, we've been looking at at burnout and, and mental health as not only being a function of people's current experiences, but mm-hmm. also people's fears of what's going to happen in the future. Sure. Because if you anticipate something negative, you're in a sense already bracing mm-hmm. yourself for it. Mm-hmm. And that takes quite a toll. And so um, we have kind of two projects relevant to this. So one Last year, we had a um, pilot research project award that was awarded to uh, Michael DeSasso and Wheeler Nakahara, who are two TRT students, and um, they are supervised by myself, by Dr. Steve Jackson, and Dr. Cynthia Mejia. Mm-hmm. And they looked at workers who had been laid off and furloughed, but who had not yet returned uh, back to work right. in the industry. Mm-hmm. And they were interested in, in what the concerns were. And so the, the top concerns here were personal COVID exposure, as you mm-hmm. might expect. Absolutely. Um, and concern about workload intensification, mm-hmm. probably due to one, staffing shortages, but two, just the added burden of dealing with COVID protocols. Mm-hmm. And then two of the other issues that really were front and center were concerned about just having to deal with unruly guests and yes. customers and trying to enforce safety protocols. And then working with the union, um, there's a group of students, Michael DeSasso, Ann Schlottower, Amanda Grinley, um, and myself, we worked again alongside our workers' union. And we found similar types of concerns about from people who had already returned to work. Right. And so um, one, just hearing their stories about being mistreated by um, guests and mm-hmm. customers was, mm-hmm. was horrible. <laughs> I yeah. just could not believe. I mean, you, you see it on the news and you news things are happening, but just the, I don't know, the depth and the volume of all these things that they, these people have have to deal with right. um, on, on their job and and the fear that, you know, you don't know if you go up to a customer and remind them to put a mask on, what's going to happen? And so we saw that, that those fears and worries were associated with, um, with poor mental health. Absolutely. Well, I can understand that. We've seen that so vividly, right? If you just, you know, listen to what's going on on airlines, for example, Right. We have um, so many individuals in airports not wanting to do masks. And we've heard it in other settings as well, as, as you're talking about. So I imagine that does cause quite a bit of stress uh, and potentially burnout. Right. Among the hospitality workers. Um, are you are you seeing are you seeing this that changing any now since um, COVID? You know, we're sort of still in the pandemic, but we're seeing numbers decrease. Are you seeing any changes yeah, it's a good question, and 
I'm not sure because to some extent, some of these guest issues were issues before the pandemic mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as well. And so even it was something that the union had highlighted as, as something they wanted to address even mm-hmm. coming into the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So I don't really have a good sense. I wish I could say, yeah, things are getting better. <laughs> um, but, but then there's other issues at play as well. So right, sure. a lot of the folks that are getting kind of abused here are um, they're frontline workers. So Absolutely. These are typically lower wage. Mm-hmm. There's a lot less power um and you know there's people have fears for their job they're afraid of not getting enough work hours to Mm -hmm. be able to put food on the table Mm -hmm. or getting too much work hours or where they um run into other issues Mm -hmm. and so there's i think there's this kind of fear in the state of being just in um an alert and alarm all the time. I think that really just just drains on people. And once you start draining a reserve, it's much harder to even deal with any of these kind of events. Right? You, you're already so so beat up. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And uh, you know, our podcast, uh, the last one that we did was with Dr. Friend, and he talked to us about occupational safety management. And uh, we spent a lot of time talking about the role of management and how important they are and managers in this situation. Do you feel that the workers, what they're experiencing could be less if management was more on board with this and could intervene uh, as they see these things happening? Yes, absolutely. And when we look at people's experiences in our work with the union, it was right. not only that they, okay, this guest is doing something absolutely horrible to me, but what compounded it was, and I couldn't get a manager to come or right. and my manager said, deal with it. Or, you know, I guess exposed my coworker to COVID and no one told me and things like that. Again, this just sense of mm-hmm. fear and uncertainty Mm-hmm. And I think even if managers can't fix all the problems, right. just being there and listening and trying and giving an extra layer of support, mm-hmm. I think that would be really tremendously helpful. Right. Because in our research, really, most people had experienced these types of events, unfortunately, but the difference between the folks who had better mental health and the folks who experienced poor mental health, a lot of that was Mm -hmm. the support and how long this incident went for and whether they were informed and, and those kind of things and whether people are supported Mm -hmm. because I I think at the end of the day, right, people, um, people have basic needs to feel related to other people. They feel a need to feel confident at their job. They feel a need to belong to a group and to be doing something important mm-hmm. and when you get it's like you get mistreated and then you ha- run into not feeling supported and all these kind of issues it just, right. just makes it worse right and, and I think they need to feel safe right in their work mm-hmm. environment and they need to feel secure and uh, Dr. Friend talked about 
um, standard operating procedures or SOPs or, or following a plan when this happens, such as if you have an unruly guest, this is how to handle it, management has your back, you know, that sort of thing, I think would be really helpful for people. Yes, absolutely. And that is something we found in our research because we, in our studies, we asked people about these events, but we also asked, okay, like, did you know how to respond to this event? Right. Did you... How long did this event kind of last? And it's not how long was your someone yelling at you. It was right. more how long did the reverberations of this mm-hmm. event last for you Affect and you. controllability. Right. Exactly. Right. Um, and, and those things, those, those matter. Absolutely. Rolando, do you have a question? Yes. And I think it ties very nicely to what we have been discussing previously. So understanding the interplay between the current pandemic due to the SARS-CoV-2 and the new trends in which how individuals and workers is specific engage and also um, engage in invest in society. What needs to change or what can we advocate for to improve the conditions um, in which we are living and working right now? That's a great question. And I really like how how your lab presents this as advocacy because I think that is the answer. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, you know, in industrial organizational psychology, a lot of the times we focus on, on the organization as a sort of the target level right, change. Right. And we our approach is, okay, we'll fix the world of work one organization <laughs> by one organization. And certainly there's value in that and places are different. And, you know, again, going back to this idea of participatory interventions right there, there is some value at doing things at a lower level. But I think when you think about advocacy, I think there is value in putting an idea out there that that work can be different and it should Mm -hmm. be a place where people leave work at the end of the day feeling like they have purpose and dignity and well-being, mm-hmm. not that they spent their entire day working, worried about their safety and security for themselves or for their family. Right. But I think, you know, ideas and movements are powerful in that sense. And so that's where, to me, it would seem that we can all be advocates for this idea of work as something that could be something good in people's lives. And I think, we, we could get there instead of kind of the view of work that's often discussed. Right. And I remember from my work on burnout um, that people's sense of control at work is very important. If they feel they are in control, at least of the immediate situation, or they can anticipate what might happen, usually their job satisfaction goes up because my work looked at burnout and job satisfaction. So, uh, however, when you lose that sense of control, and goodness, COVID did that to all of us, right? We're no longer in control, a virus is in control. So um, I would imagine that even complicated things more in terms of workers, especially in the hospitality industry, because they lost that sense of control. And then if management's not supporting it or if they don't have any procedures, and again, and to be fair to the industry, all of this was unraveling, right, one day at a time. I mean, no one could have forecasted, 
you know, most likely this happening. So um, I think that sense of control is, is really important. Um, so it sounds like, Mindy, what you're advocating for, based on uh, your response to Rolando's question, is you're really advocating for advocacy, for people to speak up, for f- people to care about people in this industry, and to um, advocate for better work conditions. Yes, that, that is absolutely it. And I think the good thing here is it's, the research shows that, that doing that is good for people and it's good for business and profit, right. all types of other outcomes. Right. So these things aren't misaligned at all. Um, and I think there, there's a pathway here. Mm-hmm. And, and so it is an interesting when we talk with our advisory board members and other folks in the industry you do see some some changes and some some different strategies mm-hmm. to try to to improve the experiences of the jobs to make the jobs work better for people. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, certain um, flexibility arrangements for nursing and maybe right. team scheduling and. Um, not nursing, sorry. You got me thinking about uh, medicine. <laughs> you got me thinking about health professions, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so in housekeeping right. and trying to, to empower people. Again, recognizing that, you know, if we, if we take a perspective of people want to, to contribute and want to be part of something bigger than themselves, right. then giving people the power to say, okay, how, how can I do this? You know, mm-hmm. we have so many rooms to clean and we have different demands on folks in our group and different levels of comfort. How can we as a group figure this out and, and do something that benefits all of us? Right. In, instead of always a top-down approach, right? Management mm-hmm. telling them we're going to do it this way, we're going to do that participatory uh, method is is always helpful, and you know, in public health, we love to use the participatory method in a lot of our research. Um, so I'm going to ask Rolando now a question. Uh, Rolando, as you know, is our is our student, one of my grad assistants, and he's a little bit younger than us, you know, at least me, Mindy, <laughs> maybe not younger than you, but younger than me. But what are the feelings, Rolando, of students on this topic of occupational health and safety? You know, work is be- going to become very important to this generation as it has in previous generations. Young individuals right now are the drivers of so much public health advocacy and change including racism, gun violence. But what about these topics, topics about the workplace, health and safety? How can students be instrumental and really critical to these advocacy efforts? Well, that's a great question, Dr. Liller. And going back to what Dr. Mindy, our expert, uh, was (laughs) saying, uh, I think how we work and where we work defines a lot of how we live. Right. And historically, um, worker movements have shaped the way in which society um, allows people to live and grow. Like, mm-hmm. for example, the French Revolution. Yes. So even though we don't consider ourselves as a students um, also in the spectrum as workers, I think engaging um, as community members, um, students and young individuals, it's super important to be able to shape um, new ecosystems that are focused on the future instead of the present. Mm-hmm. How can we really um, drive equity 
not as an outcome, but as part of the design of our working environments. Right, right. How do we drive um, working um, job satisfaction instead of an outcome, but as a um, metric of success of our design phases of um, our job definitions and of our job responsibilities? I mm -hmm. think that is a way in which we're going to create a more um, inclusive and innovative innovative society that um, allows young people um, to strive. I, I really, really think so. And I'm just so proud of the younger generation now because they're really, you know, going full force with this advocacy. Um, just look at the climate uh, situation, the summit, you know, a lot of the individuals there I heard yesterday uh, are really quite young, some of them. You know, a lot of them are advocating for change. They're holding adults to the fire to make change, you know, not just keep talking about change. So that's where I think we need to go. And, um, and would you agree, Mindy, in the hospitality industry as well? Absolutely. And I think for all the really unfortunate and certainly terrible things that COVID has done, I see a little bit of a, a silver lining here and just the emphasis that the safety and health of the working population is tied to the success of, of the industry. Right. Not only hospitality industry, but, but oh, all the industries. That's very true. Yeah. And I really like how uh, Rolanda stated that, that things that you typically think of as outcomes, satisfaction, mm -hmm, quality, mm -hmm. empowerment, those should not be, we, we should flip, it, flip our thinking of this and try to use that to really design better, mm -hmm. better systems and a better society. So I, I just love those comments. Yeah, have it part of the system, right? Uh, this is what we're hearing on a lot of the occupational health and safety podcasts. Have it part inside the system, so it's not, you know, an outside effect, but it's something that goes on every day. Um, so, Mindy, um, what are some uh, future research topics you might be working on? Oh goodness! Well, <laughs> a lot. We've got a we've really got a great group of students and faculty involved in uh, in TRT. So we've got a lot of ideas here. We've been thinking about um, technology as perhaps a a tool to um, empower workers mm -hmm. as opposed to mm -hmm. a tool necessarily to replace workers. So we've been thinking about, um, robots in hotels and how those could, could perhaps take away some of the, the elements of jobs that are seen as tedious or right. dangerous or mm -hmm. things like that. And then let workers in conjunction with, with the robots really design jobs that that are more rewarding mm -hmm. um so we, we've kind of been thinking about that um actually on the point of looking at um, equality actually as a as a predictor not an outcome actually one of the uh kate charlante and who's a current trt student mm -hmm. and i have actually been looking at um, societal inequality and how that impacts people's views about technology in the workplace. Oh, yeah. Um, and so technology is often talked about as a driver of inequality, but we're yeah. finding some results that inequality is related to how people view technology, whether they view technology um, as a threat. Mm -hmm. And of course, mm -hmm. this is 
important because people's fears about the future relate to lots of things, including their own well-being, but also voting behavior, oh, social yeah, behavior, so many all these kind of things. Absolutely. Future pandemics, you know. <laughs> yeah, so, you yeah know. exactly. Right, right. Yeah. So yeah, that that's something that we've been we've been thinking um, a lot about, and certainly I think we'll probably be researching COVID for, for a long so. time. I think so. So many studies now, right, are looking at pre and now the COVID years. Um, I have a study that I'm doing that I call it pre-COVID. I'm looking at some data, and then I call it the COVID years because I'm not quite sure when the COVID years are going to be over, and then maybe the post-COVID years. You know, so we're not post yet but uh we're still in the COVID years but uh hopefully we'll be out of that that in the future you know yes uh the role of students is going to be so important and um students uh working on the trt projects um i think they have great benefit and uh, i'm sure if any of the listeners uh, want to reach out to dr shoss she is at the university of central florida to talk more about the trt program now um mindy do you uh does your research involve students outside of the trt program as well Yes. So um, mine does. I mean, certainly the TRT program is somewhat broad in that we take students, really ERC students right. generally, as well as students in our um, IOSEG program who are involved in TRT. Mm-hmm. But I also run the research lab that you described at the beginning of the right. podcast. Uh-huh. Um, and so I have a variety of students from from different areas. I actually try very hard in my lab to get students with different backgrounds mm-hmm. in terms of um, their own backgrounds, but also uh, disciplinary backgrounds. Right. Uh, because I think these kind of questions, they're, they're not going to be answered by psychology alone no. or economics or mm-hmm. sociology. Probably engineering, you know, with the technology (laughs) changes. I mean, you know, everybody's going to have a hand in this. I loved our podcast that always reach out to folks in other disciplines, too, you know, because we had some great ones with engineering folks when we were talking about environmental health, for example. So I think it it does take a village, right? It takes everybody working together from a variety of disciplines uh, to, to solve, to solve these questions. But, you know, work is so important. And as I was speaking with Dr. Bernard, who uh, directs the ERC, and of course, uh, Dr. Friend, and now Dr. Shaw, I wish more students um, had a greater interest in occupational safety and health because eventually they're going to get a job, right? I mean, that is the goal to, <laughs> to, for folks to uh, pursue a profession. Uh, we feel that they can contribute greatly to. So I think these issues are just so critical. Um, Rolando, do you have any further questions? Dr. Shaz? Yes, I would think um, that a question I'm interested on is, Dr. Shaz, what do you think that has surprised you of the field? And um, like, what are some interesting findings that were not expected or that contradicted what was known when you went into the specific research? Oh my goodness, contradictory <laughs> findings in, in our TRT research, in my research, or across those. I think that across those, it's more like on like interesting findings that the youth thought that were like interesting or like about were, work. Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh-huh. So, one thing I guess I would say that I, I feel like we always find something unexpected in research um, that 
part of the fun, I guess, for me is learning and figuring out why things don't work the way that we would think they would work. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah, and I'll, I'll try to give you one specific example that's coming to mind right now. Um, and so, right about a year ago, a little over a year ago, summer of 2020, um, when COVID happened, there was a, I was part of an international team of people who do research on job insecurity, which mm-hmm. is typically viewed as perceptions of a threat to, to your own job. Are you worried about losing your own job? Right. Um, or are you worried about your your own job getting getting worse? Mm-hmm. And so we started thinking about how people might not only perceive their own job insecurity, but but form judgments or perceptions about job insecurity of, of other people in their country. So, for example, if I ask you, hey, do you think there's a lot of people worried about their jobs right now in the U.S.? Mm-hmm. And it was pretty interesting. So we did, we launched a study, you know, again, pretty quickly into COVID, looking at um, status, uh, satisfaction with government, looking at people's concern about vulnerable populations in their countries, uh, looking at compliance with social protocols. So, for example, avoiding public transit or things like that, wearing mm-hmm. masks. Um, and it turns out that it was people's perceptions of what they thought was going on in the environment that was more predictive of these outcomes than really their concerns about their own job. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We thought it was, we thought it was pretty interesting. And um, yeah. And it was also interesting that people on average perceive things to be worse in a sense. So, right. We knew how many people were worried about their jobs, but people thought there was really a lot of people worried Worried about Um, their jobs. Right. Yeah. And there was still a lot of var- variation there, which is actually really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's so much variation in people's perceptions. Yes. But I think, you know, when, when you look at elections or you look at other things that go on mm-hmm. in the general kind of domain, they're talking about jobs. And, mm-hmm. Always. You know, yeah. Look, right. And so it's interesting that people... People, I think, react to that. And it's not, again, it's not just what's going on in their jobs. In our study, people could feel pretty good about their own job, but it's the fact <sighs> that they felt that other people had a lot of concern. Right. That made them actually more dissatisfied with government. Interestingly, it also made them more um, more caring about the well-being of vulnerable others and mm, well, that's trying to support others. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so it's just kind of interesting, and I think I think it goes back um, when you think about careers and occupational health, and it's not just this area is so broad, and this right. idea of what's going on at work it impacts everything. everything. It impacts what people talk about at the dinner table. It impacts how people vote in elections, mm-hmm. like all these kind of things. Mm-hmm. So it's so intertwined. It really is. It does affect everything. Your health, too, right? Your health. Mm-hmm. Um, not only that, your income. Um, many of the education levels, many of the social determinants that we talk about in public health. So jobs and your function at that job and your satisfaction of that job, your burnout, is all also important. 
Well, this has Mm -hmm. been a great, great conversation. You know, uh, Mindy, we could talk to you forever, probably. (laughs) But I know we have to end the podcast soon. Uh, So I want to thank you so much. On behalf of the USF College of Public Health Activist Lab, our wonderful guest, Dr. Mindy Schoss, and our student co-host, Rolando, we thank you for joining us. And hey, keep listening. We have more podcasts coming soon. As always, we would love to hear your feedback. Let us know how we did by emailing us at cophactivistlab at usf.edu. So until next time, hey, this is Dr. Karen Liller. Remember, find your voice. Let's change it up for the better. Keep listening and join Advocation Change It Up. Tell your friends and family we're on all media, Apple, Spotify, and more. So thank you again. And hey, as it gets safer to be out and about, come see us in the Activist Lab.